Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Big Apple Hockey. And uh, just before we start the show, we just want to address uh, the incident that happened Monday night with DeMar Hamlin, Bill Safety. Scary moments. And, um, you know, it's just a reminder that these guys are people. And we're, we're just hoping he just makes a full recovery. Anthony, you were watching the game. Your thoughts? I mean, uh, I'm a diehard Bills fan, but I think it doesn't matter who you root for. Even if you're a big football fan, what we witnessed was, was um, you know, was really scary. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. In the NFL, you know, you watch games and it's commonplace when a, when a guy gets hurt, usually announcers like, oh, we'll take a brief, you know, timeout as the injured whatever player on the field. So you see it time and time again. And, you know, when they came back and they said they were still working on him at that point, I was still like, ah, you know what? sure I'll be okay and then when they went to commercial and came back the second time you, you heard like how somber they were with their voices and um, then you start to see then you see the replay and you really see it and you just see him lifelessly fall and um, and then you see this Bills players like crying and Josh Allen's face and you know so when that was happening I actually really got there was a moment there where I was really scared where like I legitimately thought they were going to come back and say that he he he, he passed it was um, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was really frightening and, uh, it's just, it just goes to show that, you know, these, these athletes, um, you know, the risk they do put out there when they go on the field or ice every day and, uh, just kudos to the medical staff that were able to give him the best care possible to give him the best chance of surviving. And, um, you know, now he's at the hospital. <laughs> I think the latest report today was that, Doctors are seeing some signs of improvement, which is absolutely huge for what he had. You know, when you're without oxygen for, for nine minutes, whatever the fear is, you know, what, brain dead. So I, I would hope they're seeing some signs of brain activity, which would be a huge plus. But my prayers to to, to him and, you know, his family, everybody involved. But um, I'll let you guys take it from here. But, yeah, it was uh, it was really scary, and I and I just pray that, um, he can live a, a, a normal life. Forget about football. I mean, if he could play again, that's a huge plus. But just hopefully he can have a full, you know, life where he can enjoy it and not be handicapped in any way. Phil, your thoughts? This is just um, a, a terribly unfortunate situation. I mean, I look back to two different incidents that I've seen in my lifetime in regard to this and I didn't watch the game. Uh, I, I wasn't home, but the first things I thought of were one, the Chris Pronger incident um, when in the 98 playoffs where he took the slap shot to the chest, I believe it was a Steve Eisenman shot, if I'm correct, um, but he took a shot straight to the chest. And if you've ever seen the clip, he kind of just, he gets up a little bit and then he just collapses right down and he's taken out on our stretcher and you just know it's bad. Um, it's a condition or it's a medical uh, condition known as uh commodio cortis. Yeah. So basically it's blunt force trauma to your, to your chest and, and, and it causes a cardiac event to happen. And just hope that he's all right. Um, the other incident I thought of, which was even worse which I mean, as a Ranger fan, I can't help it. And Anthony, you you actually informed me that it happened was Alexei Sharapanov, and Yager Yager, an accidental collision with Yager Yager was what basically caused Alexei Sharapanov's condition to trigger. 
Um, you know, obviously it's a little different with Sharapanov, but, you know, you're thinking the worst and, you know, you don't want to think the worst, but you're scared when you see something like this and you just, you don't know. So, um, uh, yeah. And, and just these, these people, they're people, they're human beings. They're not, we're not, we're not trying to push agendas on these people. So for talking about vaccines or anything else or anything like that, yeah, or, no. you know, please stop. Please stop. It has nothing to do with that. Stop mentioning it. it it's, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Just don't push your agendas on a person that's trying to fight for his life. That that's just disgusting. And, um, on, on top of that, I mean, then you have people going around <clears throat> saying, you know, worrying about the game. And I see posts online for people worrying about their fantasy leagues and all this other stuff. Like, there's more to sports. There's more to life than sports. Uh, and just ha- have some have a sense of decency. This guy's life matters more than it does than the, the game itself. The NFL will figure everything out. They're in an unenviable position, um, but they'll figure everything out and they'll make the best choice, you know, uh, in, in correspondence to everything that's happened. They'll they'll make the best possible decision that they can make. Yeah, so <laughs> let, let, leave all that other stuff out of it. Let's just pray for, you know, DeMar Hamlin and just make sure that he's able to actually live. Because like Anthony said, like there may be possible brain damage from not having oxygen for nine minutes that's it and that's that's a real scary thought so if he's able to have a normal quality of life that that's a huge win if he's able to come back and play football even better that would be one of the biggest feel-good stories we've ever seen in sports so just pray for him and and cut the all the all the other crap out please and and i'm glad you brought that up phil and we are going to start the show in a moment but it's (laughs) it's just the the easiest thing the layup, as as you've said a lot with my questions on bar talk, is the layup is cancel the game. Just cancel it. Been, not a single player wanted to go back out there. Not another. No, you can see it. In the, there's, there's no way. No, there's way. no there's, way. There's no and, way. And it doesn't matter what happens with. And just one more thing, thing I want to add to that. Please keep T Higgins in your thoughts too, because T Higgins is he's got to be beating himself up by all. Oh people. yeah, definitely. And there, there's, there's nothing he did wrong. I, I saw Bob Scott say that he lowered his helmet. It, it, it was a clean shoulder that chest hit. I'm and not it's gonna done, he's it. done a million times before. It's done. It's done millions and millions of times before. And I, I mean, there, there has been reports that he's improved significantly today, which is just excellent news. After especially after waiting so long for updates, but um, it, it, it's it's a routine hit. And it, there was nothing wrong with it. It wasn't helmet to chest. It was a shoulder to chest. And it's just a terribly unfortunate incident for this to happen. So just hope for the best for DeMar Hamlin and, and, and that's it. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's no matter how many millions of dollars or whatever Bill's uh, home field advantage or, or even Cincinnati, whatever, nothing, nothing compares to this man's life and this man's health. Uh, nothing. There is no dollar amount on that. So the people that kind of joked, hey, I had seven three, did, the, did my numbers hit? The answer is go fuck yourself. That's exactly the way that goes. And you're right about everything else with agendas and everything else. It's just because, I mean, I, I I was certainly surprised I was at work and I'm a, a good few minutes went by and I just had to text Anthony what was going on. 
But uh, all right, again, our thoughts and our hearts go out to him. And and you're right about the other thing, Phil T. Higgins. You know, sometimes this ruins the other guy's career just as much. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. he's he's got to be. I mean, you got to be distraught, that, you know, to see, you know, what you did. Obviously, not intentionally, but lead to what happened. That's got to be a terrible, just gut wrenching feeling. And um, and it's not his fault. Like Phil mentions, Camilo Cordis. It's it's a phenomenon where I read a lot about it since it happened. It's it basically the odds are like two hundred million to one. It's when you're you get hit at the exact exact right spot once your T wave starts to starts to go up. And simultaneously, in between that mill, that millisecond, you get hit. It could cause you to go into cardiac arrest. Um, it's it's no one's it's no one's fault. It's just it's uh, it's just incredibly, incredibly bad luck. That's all you can really it, say. It's honestly, it's 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 almost as rare as getting struck by lightning. Really, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's just it's a terribly rare and unfortunate incident that you know happened and. We just we just hope that he's going to be all right, and that's it. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's all we can hope for. Great news, though. That uh, pe- sorry, I was trying to kill him. No, no, I, I I just wanted to highlight this because this was a this was a yes. high school lacrosse player on Long Island, and this yeah. happened. Uh, was it eighteen years ago? Was it like fifteen to twenty years? I I I, I don't want to bring up the kid's name. I think I remember it, and I don't want to admit you know say the wrong name, but. I know exactly what you're talking about, and he got he got hit in the chest with a lacrosse ball and died. It was a high school lacrosse ball. So, so uh, Comito Cordes is actually uh, common with with lacrosse balls and, and baseballs to the chest. And I know this from working at Sports Story, but that brand um, Heart Guard started because because of like a, a kid, someone got took a line drive baseball to the chest, and same thing, it hit him at that exact moment, and they came out with Heart Guard, and it's a little. It was a little like Under Armour compression type of tank top, and it had a little plastic piece of padding that protects that protects your heart. And it, it was big with you know little leaguers wearing it under their equipment, mm-hmm. um, soccer players, lacrosse players. Uh, so yeah, it's it's it like this with the lacrosse player. That that's reasons like that why that product was really created. And it's um, unfortunately it happens, you know. Not a lot, but still too you know too much for anybody's liking. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know we can probably go on talking about this for a while, but we're gonna we're gonna go on with the show right now. And um, just again, our thoughts and prayers with uh, Hamlin's family. So here we go, guys. All right, it's a difficult juxtaposition, but we're going to do it anyway. Welcome back to Big Apple Hockey. It's rare that the that what we cover the most, the Rangers and the Islanders, they're our B block today. But I am your host, Mark Williams. And I'm with Mr. John Fulkowski right now. Again, prayers and thoughts to DeMar Hanlon, his family, his friends, Bills, and the, the Bengals. But um, definitely have some hockey to cover as well including a big Ranger win last night, as well as a big Islander win last night. Uh, they dominated in their wins. So, uh, yeah, I've got a lot to talk about today. Yeah. And uh, one of the key figures to talk about that is Mr. Anthony LaRocco. 
Yeah, uh, just to, to follow up with Phil, definitely, like I said, prayers up for Damar Hamlin and his family. Phil's Mafia, we love you, Damar. We're all rooting for you. But, um, uh, you know, the Sabres, uh, the Sabres um, you know, played a strong game in, in his name last night with Tage Thompson scoring a hat trick. But we've got a lot of hockey to talk to, so let's kick it off. Yeah, and there is a lot of hockey, and there was a lot of good hockey from both New York teams last night. Very um, just – encouraging on a lot of parts and we're going to start with the new york rangers by the way whenever we can try to watch the final buzzer with john Falkowski, the man that's right there and uh i will definitely be getting back the 60 game the 60 second game reviews starting this week hopefully i have a new blog post coming out this week as well also if you haven't checked it out check out uh mark on the road in chicago and uh going to be going to buffalo later this month Guys, by the way, I am going to the game where Ryan Miller is getting his number retired. So, awesome. yeah, so that is that is going to be great. Hopefully, but you can uh, night, and, uh, and refresh him that uh, he came on with us. <laughs> I, I uh, hopefully I get to see him. Hopefully I get to see him. Yeah. But um, last night the New York Rangers had a four-three comeback win. I was like five-three, so that's a typo. I'm sorry. Um, Wait a minute, I hit the wrong one. They had a 4-3 yeah, comeback insane. win. What? Yeah, uh, they, they had a 4-3 <laughs> comeback win, a 5-3 comeback win against the Carolina Hurricanes. Sorry, everybody. Um, at least we're back to typos and me pressing <laughs> the wrong button. Um, and Alexei Lafreniere scratched on Friday night. The Rangers end up losing in shootouts. And, but uh, they hand Carolina their first regulation loss when they're leading in the, going into the third period. Rangers move into third place with 48 points and a goal differential of plus 19. Phil, the New York Rangers make a statement last night. That was a big win. Um, it was, I, I want to call it a very gutsy win because they ended up uh, coming back and they were, they were down one, nothing. They came back and, and tied the game and then, Carolina scores seconds later. And then they 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 come back to make it 2-2. Carolina scores, they make it 3-2. Then the Rangers come back to tie the game and they don't give up the lead and they had a, a real good third period. Um I don't know if I want to call it a statement win, but it, it was definitely a, a very good win to have because of the <clears throat> adversity they dealt with throughout that game. Um, the only thing I'm going to say in regards to this is that a game like this is so wild and unpredictable because both of the goalies really did not have a great night. Um, more so Kochetkov than Shesterkin, although I don't think Shesterkin was himself. I do think that two of the goals that were led up by Shesterkin were completely not his fault. They were nothing he could do, especially the first and the third ones. They were just kind of sloppy, broken plays. Um, but yeah, Kochetkov had a problem with the five hole big time. He could not keep that five hole closed. And yeah, one of the goals was a deflection that ended up going through his five hole, but he just looked off. Um, and you heard Joe Micheletti, uh, say a couple of times throughout the game that the, the Rangers players were saying, throw pucks on net, he's shaky, he's weak, he's mentally fragile, throw pucks on net. And they ended up doing that. Like the Artemi Panarin goal was bad. Meek's goal was even worse. Like the, that was supposed to be a deflection. Trocek never got the piece of that. He got a power play goal for throwing a pass on net. 
So Kachekov was not great. Um, and, and, you know, the Hurricanes, they they played well, but Kachekov definitely did not help his team out at all last night. So um, I would like to see these two teams again when the goaltending is on and, and see how it looked then. Because I don't know if I could really call it a statement with the goaltending being as in flux as it was last night. Well, they're going to be playing three more times this season, and that's still one more than they played the Islanders. So explain that one to me. Anthony, your thoughts on the Rangers last night? Yeah, I kind of agree with Phil. Um, you know, Igor Sturkin's save percentage last night was 870, and the Rangers still won the game. Um, you know, that just goes to show, like, Phil said, Kachekov wasn't, wasn't good either. But, um, listen, they, they beat a really good Hurricanes team uh, that has been red hot. Um, so that, that's always a good thing to put in your back pocket. Um, and listen, guys, yeah, like I said, like I said last week, the Metro is, is unbelievable. Um, you know, at this, at this time last week, the Islanders were, were out of a playoff spot. And I mentioned, don't be surprised if teams kind of just keep circulating on, you know, sharing some time in, in that nine spot. Um, now it's the Penguins turn. Um, the Rangers had it for a brief little time there. Uh, in number nine spot. Now the Penguins are in the nine spot. So um, you have you have to keep picking up points because this this metro team this metro division is just really 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 too tough. And you know if, if you lose a game or two, you can find yourself on the outside looking in. So um, the Rangers did themselves a favor by again um, getting a big two points because if they didn't, then you know um, they'd be really feeling some pressure from behind. And they still are, but. Um, it's just it's just so so tight right now. You really it's almost like you need to win every game. But um, I like what the Rangers saw, what they did offensively. Um, you know they kind of they kind of really brought it to the Hurricanes there, put them back on their heels for a while there. Uh, and Kachekov couldn't give the Hurricanes the big save when they needed it. But um, again, still can't take it away. The Hurricanes are a really great team. The Rangers went in and got the job done by getting the two points. Anthony, you hit it. You hit a, a very big nail on the head that the Metro, this is one reason why the Philk and I were kind of demanding for Gowan's job last month, because if you slide in any way, you, you're gone because the Metro was so competitive this year yeah. and look no further than the New Jersey Devils best start in franchise history, 21 wins in, tw- in the first 25 games. And they're on the verge of being kicked out of the playoffs they're only, um, I believe, six points up on the Penguins right now, and forty nine points, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that that's how competitive the Metro is. So it's I, Carolina putting themselves in a great position, obviously, with this eleven game win streak. There's going to be win streaks galore with everybody. Uh, I had the Penguins in their last ten a minute ago. I think I have it in bar. I think I think the Penguins have lost the last four or five in a row, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, something like that. But don't look now. The Buffalo Sabres are they're coming on hot. And we're going to talk more about the Buffalo Sabres in a moment (laughs) as well. Well, actually about 20 minutes. And uh, (laughs) because we we got a lot more to cover before we get to the Sabres in our bar talk topics. But it's just there's that's why it's so important. Every point is crucial. This might be the most critical season for all the Metropolitan Division teams. And, you know, maybe you get like a Buffalo that could sneak in there. I still don't think the math works out. But, Philk, I gave my 10-minute rant on it on Friday. What were your thoughts on the Alexei Lafreniere scratch? All right. So, 
I feel like we've gone over this just in other situations with other players, like almost ad nauseum to this point, but I'll try to rehash this and keep this pretty short and not bore everybody to death. One, Alexi Lafreniere is not free of blame. We're not going to absolve him of blame. He has to be better. Um, He has to be consistent. He's learning how to be a pro, and that's a big part of it. We're seeing that with Capo Caco right now. What have you guys noticed about Capo Caco lately? Much more confident. He's just his overall get, points aren't where they probably like him to be yet, but he's playing well. He's playing well. On the contrary, the points he's produced in in his last eleven games, I believe he has ten points. So that's that's. I'm really talking about overall. I get what you're oh, saying. Yes, he, overall, he's, yeah, he's, of course. But the other thing I was talking was I was trying to get at was actually his consistency. The consistency in his game is just every night he's going out there. Uh, you can see the intention in his game. You know, he's playing with a purpose. You could see it every shift. Uh, and he, he may not always produce, but it, it's there. And he's trying to make things, I mean, happen. Yeah. And Pete's saying he doesn't look out of place anymore. Mm-hmm. That's another That's another good point. But, I, I mean, Alexi Lafreniere has to, to learn how to do that. And he he's got to be better. He's young. He's only one. He's only two. Uh, one year younger than Capo Caco, so I mean he's right there. But the biggest thing for me is that he scratched Alexi Lafreniere for a player like Sammy Blay, who has been who has given far more complacent efforts than Alexi mm-hmm. Lafreniere. And not only that, but he's taken bad penalties, which have put the Rangers in a terrible position at times. And have cost them uh, the game against um, the Penguins. Blade took a terrible penalty that led to a power play and a power play goal against, which ended up being the game winner. And Sammy Blade has not been good. And I know he's coming back from an injury, but how long are we going to give him that rope for? So for me, um, when you want to preach accountability, meritocracy, and so on, You've gotta, you've gotta practice that across the board as a coach. Otherwise, eventually, the message falls on deaf ears, and players just ignore it, and that's how you lose a locker room. That's what happened with David Quinn. Same thing happened with David Quinn. To a T, it happened. Um, so you know what? I, I, I get what Gallant's trying to do, and he's trying to do his best for the development, but. There's got to be a different way to do it, and you can't just bench these guys every time they make a mistake. So that that's my thoughts. Anthony, your quick thoughts. I mean, one one game, uh, so I don't I don't really have a huge problem with it. You know, um, just wanted to send a young player maybe a message, let him let him take a step back, watch the game from afar. Maybe you know a couple of things might go off there in his head, the light bulb moment. Um, so again, I'm not, I'm not going to kill him for it. Um, I know because, you know, he, he played semi blade in favor of him that drew the ire from a lot of Ranger fans. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think one game with Lafreniere out of the lineup was going to hurt him. Um, like Phil said, he's not absolved from, from any of this. He's, he's not, he's not producing and not only he's not producing, but I mean, he's also, he doesn't really also really always look that he's really competing as hard as he should night in and night out. Um, so I think, I think that's more so the issue with Gallant has with his compete level rather than the, rather than the points. Cause eventually if you compete, if your compete levels really up and you're as skilled as, as you are, the points will come. 
Um, so who knows? Uh, may, maybe in the long run, it will do him some good. I know, you know, he's stuck on 17 points. He hasn't registered a point yet since he came back. But, um, you know, it's it's a learning curve. He's a young player, and I'm, I'm sure I'm sure hopefully he learned from it. And honestly, it might not be the last time he's, he's scratched. If he goes another, let's say, 10 games or eight games and he's not really doing much, I, I'm not really – I'm not going to say that Gallant wouldn't do it again. Uh, but – Again, I'm. I don't think it's really the end of the world. I, listen, if he kept scratching him, then then yeah, that's an issue. But it was one game, so I, I didn't really have a problem with it. Yeah, I still don't find really much use of it. Uh, but I, hopefully, their communication was there. I, I love the way the locker room handled it. They gave him the Broadway hat the other night, and um, you know what? And yeah, he's got things he's got to work on. And you look at a guy that's now breaking out this season, Marty Natchez. He wasn't a number one overall draft pick but he's breaking out. Uh, Vitaly Kratsov seems like he's coming along. He's suddenly playing a lot better. So it's not exactly the end of the world, uh, but the pending restricted free agency is something also that's a concerning thing that's coming up soon. And that's actually going to happen with a couple guys, but we got to move on everybody because there was another performance from a New York team because the Islanders went two and one this week. They dominate Columbus. I mean, I know it was a 2-1 game. that They dominated Columbus that game. And uh, Vancouver last night, they fell to Seattle. By the way, Anthony is mildly ironic. Seattle beat New York twice that night. But uh, I didn't want to share yeah. that. Yeah, I didn't want to share that online. <laughs> um, everybody had a little bit too much of that. But you got to marvel at what the Islanders did last night. I know Vancouver is kind of struggling. You look at the Islanders right now, fifth in the Metro, 45 points. There's their record, a plus 20 goal differential. That's better than every team in front of them. Sands, uh, I think New Jersey. And who scored again? Right. Uh, yeah, Carolina, uh, Carolina. I had to look at that again. But all the, the wild card teams, the potential ones, they're better than uh. the Rangers and the Capitals. And they just went ahead of the Penguins. And Anthony, yeah. who scored again? Ateratu scored again. Parker Witherspoon, not just his first point where he grew up. I mean, I, I always forget how to pronounce his name. Um, but, I mean, that's a great story, though. You Wouldn't you want to get your first NHL point in your own in your hometown? Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's pretty cool. All right. So, go on, Anthony. Um, um, what? So, yeah, what you, mentioned you, that Columbus, you mentioned that Columbus game uh, dominated him. Honestly, I felt bad for Sorokin. He lost his shutout with 20 seconds left, which – I feel like always happens to him. So early on in his career, he's lost a bunch <laughs> of, you know, less than a minute left. But, um, you know, like they, they, they beat the worst team in the East, like any, like you should, you got to beat those teams. They got the, they did the job there. Um, the game against Seattle, honestly, you know, they mailed it in. Um, I did not, I did not like the effort at all. That game um, uh, flying out to Seattle, maybe they had a little too much the night before celebrating new year's, but um, they just didn't have it. Uh, but Thankfully, they bounced back against Vancouver last night. Um, you know, they, honestly, I, in the early part of that first period, it was shades that Seattle game. I'm like, oh, man, here we go again. Uh, I don't know what, what's with them right now. But um, they, after the first period, they just took it to Vancouver. Um, and they just, once they got the first goal, they smelt blood. And then from there, it was pretty much over. Uh, you mentioned Atu Ratu got his second goal. Um, not really playing much at all, though. He's playing on the fourth line with Martin and Johnston right now. Um, but he got he got him started. Pajot adds a power play goal. Barzell um, got his 10th, which, by the way, Barzell's 10th goal. Early in the season, you're, you're wondering if the guy was even going to reach that number. Now, you know, um, he might even, you know, score 20 this year. So 
uh, he's 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 turned it around with putting the puck in the net. Um, Sezikis adds another. Pajot get adds a second empty net goal. But um, yeah, overall, uh, so far these these last these last three games, with the exception of the Seattle game, that was a little bit of a stinker. Um, they're they're chugging along with you know with some you know guys like Parker Weatherspoon still in the lineup, Hudson Fashing. Um, you know Ross Johnson's playing unfortunately, uh, but hopefully Clutterbuck and Paul Mary. <laughs> yeah, hopefully Clutterbuck and uh, Paul Mary should be back soon, um, and that will definitely help there. Um, we'll see if Ratu sticks around. I don't know if he will. I, I think when they're fully healthy, he'll probably go back to Bridgeport, which is fine. Um, don't really have an issue with that. At least he got a cup of tea. Got to look at him, see what he could do. But um, yeah, no. Now they got back to back tomorrow and, and uh, Friday against the Oilers and the Flames. So uh, those will be challenging games. Anytime you go out west to play those two teams, regardless of how they're doing in the standings, those games can mm-hmm. really honestly go either way. Um, and they just need to get getting points. You know, as I told you, Mark, uh, the, the Metro division is the Metro's division is really tight. Uh, you know, uh, the Islander win tomorrow, and not that I, I don't really think would happen. The Rangers are going to beat the Canadians, but you know. That happens, and now all of a sudden you got three teams all tied with 48 points and, you know, dangerously close to, to falling out if you lose a game. So, um, you know, they, they I would like to see them pick pick up three of the next four points here in these next two games, uh, you know, and, and keep it going and keep moving up because you, you want to you wanna start to give some separation between the, the teams that are below you. I know the Penguins aren't going to go away, but um, you want not to have to worry about the Red Wings and the Sabres and all those teams. So, um, just got to keep getting points, uh, get healthy, and, uh, you know, go from there. Uh, Varlamov is back, though, so I'm sure he'll probably start either tomorrow or Friday. Schneider's back in Bridgeport, so that's a good thing to have Varlamov back. But, yeah, just uh, just keep it going, finish the road trip strong, and then, you know, come back home. And you know what? All you got to do is just get at least two wins versus Connor McDavid, who I think he just scored even though he's not playing. That's how much he's been scoring lately. Uh, and uh, and then you got to play Daryl Sutter's Calgary Flames. Phil, your thoughts on the Islanders this week? Four and one in their last five since the Ranger loss. Um, and they, they've had some real good games. Um, they beat a good Pittsburgh team. They lost to what is now – I can't believe I'm saying this as early as I am with the roster that they have, but a good Seattle team. Um, so they lost to a good Seattle team. No shame in that last year at this time, would we've been saying those words? Absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. But, um, they lost to a good Seattle team. No shame in that. They beat the teams that they were supposed to beat, And then they absolutely beat the crap out of Pittsburgh last week. Just absolutely destroyed them. Uh, we talked about that. It just, they, they played great against those teams. So, um, they've got to keep this up. Um, I really like what I'm seeing from Atu Ratu. I, I mean, he gets his first career goal, then he gets his second last night against Vancouver on a really nice play, a little break in there. Um, he looks like he belongs. I, 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 You know what? As a hockey fan, and I know I'm a Ranger fan, so I'm not really supposed to be liking this or hating this rather, but um, as a hockey fan, I, I actually hate the fact that they're probably going to send him down. That You're right that they're probably going to send him down once, once everybody gets healthy, because I I would like to see this kid continue to play and continue to grow and see what he can do. So I, I personally think he's ready. I I think he's right there. 
If you if there was a definition of like if I guess the hockey equivalent of a of a quad quad A player in baseball. I mean, yeah, I've heard that term before, Mark. Yeah, yeah. So like a quadruple A player, I, I think that's what he is. So um, I, I I really would love to see Ratu continue to play. Um, the Islanders continue to get production up and down their lineup and. Is hell freezing over, or did Matt Barzal decide that he was going to start shooting pucks? Yeah, he did. He did. I mean, shot. I mean, I've talked about his shot in the past and his tendencies, but I mean, if you do that, you're going to continue to be around a point per game player, and then, you know, there you go. So you need your best guys to be your best guys. Um, the Islanders' most important guys out right now, so. Um, Connor McJesus and Leon Dreisaitl tomorrow night. That's going to be a tough test with uh, not having Adam Pellick. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and that's that's one thing about about them. I I have to applaud the Islanders' depth in their organization right now. Hudson Fashing, I believe, had 17 minutes last night. Of uh, sorry, yeah, was it Fashing or was it Witherspoon? A Witherspoon that had 17 minutes. One of those guys. Their, their, their depth has been great, Anthony. That's what I was trying to get to. That my numbers were off for a minute. Sorry, guys. Yeah. I mean, but, go ahead. I mean, Watherspoon has, you know, he, he's one of those guys, to be honest with you. Um, I, you know, I didn't really know, you know, much about him. Um, you know, he, he was, he played, I think he played 290 something career AHL games before he finally got his shot with the Islanders, um, you know, but honestly, he, he looks, he looks like a guy that, you know, might, might be able to be a pretty good defensive for him going forward. He, he skates, he skates really well. He defends well. Um, and for a defenseman, if you could skate well and keep up with, you know, fast forwards and, and move the puck, you have a good chance of, you have a good chance of being a defenseman at the NHL level. And, um, you know, who, who knows, you know, what, what he could turn into, you know, but I, I like what he's done so far and, and it's important because Adam Pellick, as Phil mentioned, being out is 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 not good. And you know what's even more worrisome is he's been out a while now, and there hasn't been any word on him resuming skating. So I, I don't, you know, concussions can be a scary thing. So um, you know he you know he really he really stepped up and, and has helped them at least you know keep the the ship afloat while while Pellick is out. And because you know if you look at the right side of their defense, it's you know it's strong. Pollock, Dobson, and Mayfield. You at the left side of their defense, it's Romanoff, you know, Warlerspoon, Aho, and you're like, uh oh, that could be that could be really troublesome. But Warlerspoon has made that not as scary as he thought it would be. So uh, but you're right, Mark. He, he's played well. Hudson Fashing has has played really well. He's earned the coach's trust. Um, he's a big body that's actually chipped in here and there. And you know that that's that's all you can ask for. Unsung for hero of the season. Is it Parker Wilderspoon? <laughs> I mean, if, if he keeps if he keeps playing this way, yeah, he's He's been he's been really solid. So. I would he's say so. Solid. For for him to come in there and like you said, play almost what for almost three hundred games at the AHL level and, and and not really stick in the NHL and then to come in and play as well as he has and he's playing close to close to twenty minutes a game almost at this point. I mean, for him to kind of take on that workload this early into his NHL career, even though he's experienced in the pro game itself, it's pretty impressive. And you know what? Um, 
Uh, I had the thought, then I just lost it. <laughs> yeah. But no, they're. But again, they're, they've been doing so great with their with their depth. Everything that they've they've been doing, they they haven't been missing the injured players. And then when you get those other players back, that's only going to help help matters even more. Probably going to remember everything in a moment that I was just thinking about. But that's going to be all right. Ed, well, I, no, 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 not, not, no. Trading, not trading Scott Mayfield. Wicked. I mean, there, there's, there's, no. they have a good as chance of making the playoffs right now as the Capitals, the Rangers, you know, or the Penguins. There's, there's no need to trade Scott Mayfield right now. That no. would be, that would be signaling that you're giving up. And what kind of message would that send? Would that send in the room? I, I, I understand from the point of asset management, he's a free agent. They may not be able to keep him. But I mean, no. They they're, would have to get an offer they can't refuse. Yeah, me, they're 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 three it, points out of second in the division. If anything, they, Lou's going to buy at the deadline. He's not. He's not trading Scott Mayfield. It's not. No, it's not happening. They they, no. they would have to get an offer that's so stupid that it's not worth making for the other. Yeah. And, yeah. and even then, I don't know if I would be able to do that as a general manager to to give up on one of my better defensemen and and basically signal. That uh, that to the to locker room that hey I don't believe in you guys you know that that's what that says when you go and trade a player like that when oh, you're definitely. trying to get into the playoffs so that that's a real bad message to send. And if anything, Lou manages his assets better than most GMs in the league. All right, guys, let's go around the NHL and do some bar talk. Shot. This is the easiest I've ever to answer. Let me say beer. I can't even begin to describe. I'm actually going to go crazy. I'm going to buy everybody around on this one. I still love it that Anthony called me a hacker in the middle of that sentence. (laughs) All right, guys, welcome back to Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk, where we're gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Are you so confident? You're going to buy everybody around. Oh, oh dear God, I'm not confident. I need a shot. Or, you know, I'll just have a beer. So, so. Play along down in the comments below. And we're going to start with a guy who might be on the trade block, guys. Ryan O'Reilly this season, 10 goals, 6 assists, 16 points. By the way, lowest plus minus in the NHL for a guy who won the Selkie before. Minus 28. And he's currently out for, I think it's, is it six weeks he's out right now, I heard? Yes, it's about six Six weeks. weeks. The Rangers should acquire Ryan O'Reilly at the deadline, Mr. John Fulkowski. You know what? At first, I wanted to say shot just because what would you do with another center? But I would easily move somebody over to the wing for this guy. And they would have to they would have to retain on this. But Ryan O'Reilly would make the Rangers a real dangerous team to play against come playoff time because that would give them another established two way center, a guy that can win face offs. A guy that's got Stanley Cup and Cons my pedigree. Um, I, I just don't know if they should be giving up the assets for a guy like that because it's a piece that puts you over the top. So I'm gonna say beer here, um, just because I, I just don't know if they're in the position to really try to kind of pull that off. I think what they think they should do is probably more akin to what they did last year, last year's deadline. Anthony. I was going to say shot too, but I think he convinced me to change to beer just because Ryan O'Reilly is your prototypical prototypical playoff player. Um, you know, face-offs, grit, 
uh, leadership can can chip in offensively. Uh, but you know, he is a center. I, I think the Rangers would be better suited on getting a, a scoring wing. Um, you know, his his also injured teammate in St. Louis, Vladimir Tarasenko, could be a fit as he's a winger and he's a sniper. I think that maybe fits a little better than getting another center. So um, for that reason, I'll go with the beer. I'm actually going to go with beer as well. I wanted to say buying everybody around, but I'm going to go with beer. The reason why also we got to admit Filipino's contract is coming up. What is Filipino's future with the New York Rangers? That's another thing that goes into it. Ryan O'Reilly would give Ryan O'Reilly wouldn't help address that though. No, he wouldn't help address that, but he would address it for this season. And then what you could do is you, you give, I'm just saying in, in general with Filipino, because if you upgrade from Filipino, who was benched last night, whether or not that was deservedly so or not, that poor kid on the third goal, you saw the wick on his face. But the question also is, 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 is that going to make the Rangers a legitimate cup contender? It could, if they upgrade to get another defensive center, maybe that could happen. Going over to the Islanders. Not a layup. Yes, not a lot, although I do have a graphic for you on that one, uh, Phil. I can't wait for that one. Uh, Nashville's Matthias Ekholm, and it's Matthias, signed at 6.25 until 2026. Three goals, 10 assists, and 13 points a season. Anthony, the Islanders should get Matthias Ekholm. So he's, I mean, he's a legitimate, you know, top four left. Shot defenseman on the left side. Uh, left Adam Pellick is going to be out a really long time. I mean, he, he would help, but uh, a lot. Um, but I'm going to answer this question the same way, you know, when we pose about Jacob Tricker and another left-handed defenseman who's available. Um, as much as I would love either of them, um, even though the Islanders really haven't had issues scoring goals, they still could use another legitimate top six forward because, you know, guys like Bailey and Bovillier um, – they're too streaky and they don't provide enough offense. So um, I still think, you know, getting a guy like Tarasenko or, or getting Bo Horvat and moving him to the wing or moving, you know, Nelson or someone else to the wing um, would, would really help them a long way. Now, if there was a way that they could split up, you know, it would probably kill their asset pool. But I mean, if there was a way that they could, you know, get both, then yeah, I, I would be all for that. But uh, you know, gun to my head at home or scoring forward, I think I still go with the forward, although come playoff time, defense wins. And if Pellick is going to be out a long time, that left side is problematic, even as good as Warless has been playing. So I don't know. It's not, it's not as easy as I thought when I first saw this was going to be the bar talk topic, but um, I guess, I guess I'll go with a beer. Okay. Phil. That's why I posed this one. I figured this one would be, you know, get you going a little bit there, Anthony. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to say a beer just because of a lot of the things that you mentioned. Um, they could use a defenseman, but they could absolutely use a sniper more. Um, but there's also the injury situation with Adam Pellick. And you don't, we don't know how long he's going to be out for. You haven't gotten any updates as far as I can tell because you would have them first before anybody I knew. Um, I, I just – I don't see – because they don't have a great asset pool. That's the biggest thing for me with it is they, the assets that you have, you would have to give up one of Ratu or DeFore or Holmstrom or something like that. And then maybe first round picks. And then what's left after that in the, in the cupboard for the Islanders. 
not a lot, if anything. So uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna say B. I, I, you know what? I'm gonna change this a shot. <laughs> screw it. No shot. No shot. You um, know what? I'm gonna go beer, and it's because I still I have trouble looking at the Islanders and figuring out what exactly what their need is outside of trigger man for the power play. <laughs> now. I mean, you got Dobson, who's been real good for them on the power play. You got Barzell, who could distribute, and Brock Nelson has been great at the bumper, and Anders Lee is up front. But you, you, you tell me, you add like a Vladimir Tarasenko. Now, now you're looking at the Islanders, going, "Oh boy, look at these guys." And, uh, and you know what? I'm not convinced it's 100 percent what their need is, but he would definitely fulfill a hole. And he signed the 2026. Lou would definitely like that. Uh, is by the way, who are they playing that. right now, folk? What USA Canada? Are they playing right now? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's coming up shortly. So, oh, okay. I thought it was actually tomorrow, but all right. So we're gonna keep getting this going. Gold medal game is tomorrow. All right, guys. The Tampa Bay Lightning are eight and two in their last ten. I can't believe I am actually asking this question. But the Tampa Bay Lightning are an under-the-radar team, and I'm actually going to start it off. I'm buying a round on this. When Nobody's talking about the Lightning. We're all talking about different teams and everything. Like I think everybody's just kind of assuming the Lightning are done. No, the Lightning are very much there. That's it. Felk. I think with the stories with the Devils, um, their rise and then their fall, and now Pittsburgh's rise and their fall, um, I, I would I, I think Tampa Bay has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle and things and people aren't really talking about them, but they are they are playing well and considering the guys that they've lost, they've had Brandon Hagel step up into a top six role after being a third line role, uh, third line player last year when they acquired him. So um, Tampa Bay seems like to be like Detroit and the Devils of the of the 90s and the 2000s where they just continue to get these cogs that come in and they play over their head or something, or they just come out of nowhere and they just continue to help the team win. So yeah, they're under the radar for me. I'm buying around on this. All right, Anthony. I'm going to go beer. Um, you know, they made it to the Stanley Cup finals last three years in a row. Uh, they know what it takes. They've been there now. Um, I just think they're, they, they know how good they are. I think they know they're going to make the playoffs. So I think sometimes they just kind of not coast, but, you know, they, it seems like they're just kind of just moving along, you know, at a you know, slow pace and just kind of whistling Dixie. Uh, and then come playoff time, they, they, they turn it up because they know what victory tastes like. Uh, they know what you have to do to get there. Um, I kind of think that's what's going on right now. I mean, yeah, they're behind like the Leafs and the Bruins right now. Um, but come playoff time in a, in a seven game series, um, I think I would pick Tampa Bay just because, you know, Vasilevsky turns into Superman in, in the playoffs and, you know, yeah. clinching games. Especially, so, yeah, especially closeout games. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go with a beer here. Well, in, I mean, they're just amazing, and they just keep churning out everything. Phil, you mentioned Nick Paul when you were talking about it, right? Yeah, it, he just – you get him from Ottawa, you get Brandon Hagel, and these guys just come in and they just continue to produce, and they're replacing guys that have left, like – you know, your Andre Palats, your Tyler Johnsons and stuff like that. You imagine if they can 
move an, a guy like Alex Kalorn and replace him with a cheaper bottom six option and then you know, go out and get maybe another score to complement that, uh, that top six. I mean, Tampa Bay would be real deadly. And then they lose McDonough and Ruda on top of that, and they bring in you know Ian Cole, and, and Ian Cole just fits right into Ruda's uh, Ruda's uh, spot. It just and then Perbix comes out of nowhere, and you know he plays well for him. <laughs> just it's out of, out of nowhere. And you know what? You know you got to give a lot of credit to Tampa Bay's development and uh, their organizational, and and especially the Syracuse crunch. Because these yeah. guys continue to come up from Syracuse, their AHL team, and just produce for them and be key contributors and come right off the bat and produce. So good on Syracuse and good on Tampa for being able to get these guys to step right in. Well, one guy that's stepping up for his team greatly right now. Tage Thompson completes a hat trick last night, including the winner against the Capitals. If the Sabres make the if the Sabres make the playoffs. Tage Thompson should win the Hart Trophy, Mr. John Polkowski. I'm going to buy a round on this. Um, Ooh, yeah. I don't think he will if that's the case because if McDavid and the Oilers make the playoffs and he continues to score at the pace that he's on, mm -hmm. he's going to be in Gretzky and Lemieux territory, and it's going to be nearly impossible to, to deny him of the heart at that point. But this – should be around for me, and this should happen because what this guy is doing is just Herculean. <laughs> it's just he's literally carrying that team on his back. So I've got to buy around on this. Anthony, I'm buying around too. Um, the guy is following up a fantastic year this year with a even more incredible year um, so far this year. Um, he's been. I mean, forget about being Buffalo's best player. If it weren't for Connor McDavid right now, I would say Tage Thompson has been the best forward in, in the NHL. And it would be hard to argue that. The goals are there. The points are there. Um, you know, for someone so big, the way he skates and creates out there, it's really astonishing. Um, so good on the Sabre fans. They, they finally can use a, you know, because Eichel didn't work out to what they envisioned when they drafted him. Tage Thompson is bringing them out of their seats. Uh, so good on them. So, yeah, like Phil mentioned, if the Sabres make the playoffs, I think McDavid would still win it if the Oilers made it just because the year he's having, it's absolutely incredible. Um, also, with that said, it's going to be hard for the Sabres to make the playoffs. You know, they're, they're four points behind Pittsburgh, six behind the Islanders, eight behind the Rangers. And I, I still, as good as Thompson is, I still take the Penguins, Rangers, and Islanders over Buffalo, um, you know, every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So, It'll, it'll be difficult, but they're they're knocking on the door, which is, you know, progress for Sabre fans. That's what you want to see. I'm going to remove the words if the Sabres make the playoffs. Right now, he's my MVP because you could say whatever you will about Connor McDavid. By the way, Connor McDavid, we've said this in our preview, the guy is automatically nominated for the heart every single year. But it's I can't help but look at McDavid and say, well – the guy that's right behind you in scoring in the NHL is on your team. So you can't exactly be the most, and the, neither one of these guys are in the playoffs, but Tate Thompson's got, got far less talent than Connor McDavid has. I mean, don't have no Leon Dreisaitl with him. Yeah, it does. The, Leon Dreisaitl ain't nowhere to be found. I mean, come on. It's not even close. 
All right, let's go to the West Coast, guys, and let's go to the LA Kings, second place. One right thing before you say anything else, but okay. does Tage Thompson not remind you of like peak Randy Moss about how much of like a matchup nightmare he is in terms of size and skill and everything? Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. It's it's gotta it's, be that. And the best part about it is, Phil, I think he's their matchup center too. So yes. you're not getting around it. <laughs> like he's not only he's not only scoring at this clip, but he's also shutting down your top line. Or I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, so yes, the LA Kings, second place in the Pacific, four points out of first place behind Vegas. But I gotta say, guys, the Kings are no threat to the Vegas Golden Knights, Anthony. I'm going to say shot. I, I know they're a, a minus five goal differential, which is weird for a team where they are in the standings. Um, but, I mean, four points isn't four points isn't a lot, Mark. And, uh, you know, I think L.A. – I mean, their defense, I think, leaves a little bit to be desired. And, you know, their, their goaltending um, – you know, we saw it ha- happen early in the year with Cal Peterson being waived because he's been mm-hmm. really struggling. Jonathan Quick's the guy again. Um, but – they got they got guys that could put the puck in them. I mean, Fiala, Arvidsson, Kopitar, uh, Juice, which is Adrian Kempe. He he's good. Um, you know, so they they got they got good pieces at the forward position. Um, and you know, Vegas Vegas has had some injury woes, and you know they've been up and down a little bit erratic at times. Um, so I mean, I still think the Knights will probably win the division, but. I mean, the Kings aren't going to go away either, so that's why I'm saying shot. Phil. I'm going to say shot just because they're they're really close right now. Um, realistically, I, I, I think Vegas takes that division. I just think that L.A. is not good enough. <clears throat> I think if they add another piece or two at the deadline, I think maybe they're in their – Maybe they're they'll give them more of a run of their money, but I I think that Vegas is just a, a real complete team up and down. They're as close to as a complete team in the NHL as any team. Um, so uh, shot in that regard in the standings, but I, I guess in a series, I, I I don't see LA beating them in a series. I I gotta go with a beer on this one. And that's because you said before that minus five goal differential, man, that sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah, they've had some big losses and some big wins too. But you know what? Um, they got to sell their goaltending. Uh, I think Phoenix Copley's been playing a lot for them. Lately, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He came. He came up when Peterson cleared waivers. Right. So, I mean, you got to figure out what's going on in net, and hopefully, they they got something. Um, maybe, maybe with him. Who knows? And you could do stuff like that for short-term bursts. It's just whether or not you can do it for the long term. Guys, we're going to move on to uh, any, any either one of you watching Winter Classic. Yeah, I saw the second period on. Phil? Yeah, I watched some of it. Yeah, I watched all of it. And by the way, uh, on our poll right now, 56% of the people watching say they did not watch the Winter Classic at all. Ouch. We're going to get to that in a second. But in the first period, Tristan Jari left with it looked yeah, like a right side or a knee injury. You're not exactly sure. But a potential Tristan Jari injury could spell doom for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Phil. 
He's having a really good year, uh, surprisingly. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of him. I'm not really a believer, but he's having a really good year. Um, he's part of what's holding Pittsburgh up, uh, even though I do think that their success comes from structure, good coaching, and then you know having two generational talents play for them. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm going to have to buy a round on this, actually, uh, because of the fact that their goaltending depth is really not good after that. Casey DeSmith is – he's an average backup. <laughs> Agreed. He's not terrible, but you don't want him in net for an extended period of time. You don't want him in net nightly. That, that, that's not good news for you. And then who do they have after that? They're, I mean, there's no more Louis Domingue. They called up Dustin Tkarski. He's He got called oh, up with Jerry. Tkarski is – oh, jeez. Okay. Is it 2014? Yeah, yeah. All right, it's not. It's not. So Dustin Tokarski means nothing. Yeah, but you don't want Tokarski <laughs> and DeSmith splitting games. You don't. That's not good goaltending depth. So, yeah, um, yeah the, I, I'm going to buy around on that. Anthony? I'm going to be round, uh, buy around, too. I'm not the biggest fan of his either. Um, but at the end of the day, he's got a 918 save percentage. Um, you know, which is certainly respectable. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, the Penguins haven't missed the playoffs since 05-06, which is Crosby's rookie year. Um, they've managed to make it every year since, despite the last, I would say, three years of us all talking about they finally fall off. Um, you know, right now they are on a four or five game skid. Right now they are two points out of playoff spot. But, you know, again, that doesn't mean much. Like I said earlier, I still think that's going to rotate between, you know, the Penguins, Islanders, you know, Rangers, maybe even Devils sharing, sharing a couple of days out of a playoff spot. Um, so, but their starting goaltender out isn't a recipe for, you know, winning a lot of hockey games. So it is going to hurt them. Um, DeSmith has a 9-11 save percentage. Not, again, not terrible. I mean, if he could step up enough, um, maybe he keeps him afloat. I mean, I don't know what the – the time length is on Jerry. I don't think it's been reported, but no, not that no, nothing's been reported yet. Yeah, so it it, it could, um, but again, um, they also have other holes in their lineup too. So, but so I don't know, hovering between beer around. I guess I'll I guess I'll go around. I'm an, I'm unfortunately going to be the one that says beer then because I can't throw dirt on the Pittsburgh Penguins because of '87. There is just no way I can ever do that. That kid just literally keeps that team afloat almost no matter what. And let's be and and I gotta be honest, Mike Sullivan does a great job with them too. So that's that's kind of like another thing that gets in there. Speaking of that particular game, the Boston Bruins came back with two goals in the third period to defeat the Pittsburgh Penguins at Fenway Park in front of forty thousand people. Evgeny Malkin, by the way, fired the puck on net. And it looked to tie the game, but the green light was on, so the, the goal did not count. The Winter Classic still has buzz. And, guys, I'll start it off. I, I am going to say I'm going to buy everybody around. It doesn't help it when it's at <clears throat> 2 o'clock in the afternoon on uh, January 2nd as opposed to, say, January 1st midweek or even January 1st on a Saturday night. This is just where I think the, the the scheduling didn't help them, even though they've done this before. They did it with the Rangers. They did it with the Rangers Flyers. 
there's still buzz. It's still a spectacle. And the outdoor games are still good. It's good that we're back down to three of them a year. That's about it. Anthony. I'm going to go round two. Um, but I will say, yeah, when you, when you know, obviously the first couple of years, it was still new. So it was going to be more excitement about it. But um, I think one, Mark, to address what you said, they, they had it on Monday because the Jan- New Year's Day fell on a Sunday which I think yeah. is the third time they did this, and they, don't, and they don't want to compete with the NFL. So that's why they did it at that time. And that's smart. Um, yeah. What I think they could do to maybe generate more excitement again is – and they're doing it next year with the Knights and the Kraken in, in Seattle. Use, use different teams. I mean, far too often it's the Penguins, the Bruins, you know, the Capitals, the Flyers. Blackhawks. This is the second time Fenway Park has hosted, like – do newer, you know, newer things, which they did last, you know, last year Target Field with the with the Blues and the Wild, that was cool. And you know, next or two year, years ago yeah, with the Cotton Bowl, yeah, ne- next year with the Kraken and the Knights, that'll be fun. I think, I think they could really make people get really, you know, fired up about it again if they just kind of change things up, use different teams, um, do different locations. Uh, you know, with COVID, I know they got creative, so that's why they did the Lake Tahoe game, but do more. Fresh things like that to give it like a new, you know, a new audience or whatever you how you want to word it, but um, to get the excitement back in. And speaking about which, Phil, do you remember your description for the Lake Tahoe game? Hockey porn. What? <laughs> the, the one we did oh, the Lake Tahoe oh, game. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah that, I mean, yeah, it was, was, it was two awesome. years ago, Phil. I don't expect you to remember everything. I watched that. It that was that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, what a what a what an aesthetic that was. Jeez. Um, yeah, I, I think like Anthony basically hit it on the head and nail. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm just gonna say beer just because the the NHL again hockey best sport worst league is fumbling things and that and it, it still does have buzz, but I think the buzz has just been reduced just because the NHL just doesn't know how to handle this event, and I think the the kind of the the stadium series is kind of I don't know, maybe kind of stepped on its toes a little bit, if you will. Yeah, I do agree with that a little bit. So when when you have a Winter Classic game and it's a standalone, and I was just I just had this discussion on Twitter with somebody about this, now how how there's differences between the two, even though it's the same thing in concept. There's more pomp and circumstance to the, the Winter Classic. There's more of a buzz to it. And it's a standalone as opposed to, you know, the same series where the Rangers had played two games in three nights against two different teams. Um, one of them during the day, which I went to, and the other one against the Islanders. And which I went to. Yeah. So, I mean, just, wow. Um, I, I can't even believe that, um, that, I'm, that I'm saying this. But, yeah, the, the NHL is fumbling it. It still has some buzz. And, and stop at the same teams. Stop with the same damn teams. It has to stop. People are getting tired of Pittsburgh. This is part of why I can't wait until Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin retire and this Pittsburgh Penguins team just falls off the rails into oblivion. Because Gary Bettman, oh, let's just force Pittsburgh down everybody's throats. Don't you get it? Nobody cares about Pittsburgh outside of Pittsburgh. (laughs) <laughs> no more. They're not a big market. They're not this great market. 
And, I'm, and you know what? I, I don't care if I offend Pittsburgh Penguins fans by saying it because it's true. Because Gary Bettman loves the Penguins so much, he's got his head so far up their ass, that he can't see any of this. And this is why they're losing interest in it. So get get rid of the Penguins every damn year and start putting new teams in. By the way, a reminder to everybody to smash the like, even if you're from Pittsburgh, please do that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, until the NHL hands Ma- up. Magic end up a Connor Bedard. They go on a tailspin. When the, when the lottery and draft that would just be an absolute nightmare. But I do have to say, Anthony, it's going to be interesting next year when it's Seattle, your, your two newest teams, because they've been steadfast about trying to keep it original six, big markets, big stores. You already ruined the original six thing by not ha- by having two teams in the inaugural one that aren't original six. <laughs> yeah. And. And, and I'll tell you what, right now, you might want to get Buffalo back in because, man, Tage Thompson would put on a show. You know what would be cool? Islanders, Islanders Rangers at Belmont Park where they have the Belmont Stakes. Yes! Yes! That would be great. Yes, that would be awesome for us. But around the league, nobody cares about That's, that rivalry. And I've said that, too. That's problem. Yeah. I've said you, that, too. That's why the Stadium yeah. Series is such a good thing. You know what would have been great? The 1990s Detroit Colorado rivalry in a winter classic game yeah. that they, exploded <laughs> for the end, and, and they've and they've had their own stadium series as well. So, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of them that have to go in there. Um, and by the way, as you mentioned, Connor Bedard, Anthony, he notched his 32nd point and his most ever at the World Junior Tournament, which they they're they're counting the canceled tournament from last year. Doesn't really make any sense to me, but we're going to throw this one out there. Connor Bedard is the best player in the world juniors history. I'll start with you, Anthony. Wow. Um, well, obviously we all know that he broke what Lindros's record um, and Lindros tweeted like, you know, don't just break it, smash it. Um, you know, like, did you see the goal he scored? What was it yesterday? Uh, where he just, he had the puck. Walk, at the line. Five guys and score on the back. Yeah. End. Yeah. 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 The guy, the kid is the kid is absolutely filthy. Um, you know, whoever whoever gets him is gonna be, you know, through the moon with excitement and you know, probably hopefully drive up tickets ticket sales in that city. But um world best player in world juniors history. I mean, man, there's been obviously there's you know, Lindro set the record, you know, McDavid had a lot of success there. Uh so it's uh, you know, Gretzky, um, I don't know, it's it's hard to say round with some of those names, but uh, all, all I'll just say is that he's he's shaping up to be a generational talent, like everyone had said for the last, you know, what two or three years they've been talking about him. Um, he's filthy. He's filthy. Yeah. And uh, oh, so what was it? It was beer. I, I didn't. Uh, yeah, sure. Do do beer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Filk. I'm gonna say shot. And I know it sounds crazy to, to say shot in this when Bedard is going and doing what he's doing. But if you went back and you watched Peter Forsberg at the World Juniors, and you would understand why I'm saying shot. Uh, Peter Forsberg dominated that tournament in a way that we will never see people dominate that tournament other than maybe Bedard. Uh, Bedard's close, but... 
I, I've still got to give the edge to Forsberg because of what he was doing. Um, him and Naslin absolutely tore that tournament apart. I mean, the the, the three Soviet, I, I would call them Soviet kings, the Mogilny, Bure, and Fedorov together were just absolutely nuts. Um, and then there's obviously Forsberg and Naslin. I'm going to, I have to say shot, but holy shit, is he just something to watch, man. You, you know you what, know, Funk, you actually downgraded my answer. I was actually going to go beer because <laughs> obviously you have Lindros, you have Gretzky, you have Crosby, McDavid, all these other guys. Let's not forget, Carey Price had like an obscene save percentage the year that uh, Canada That shootout in the gold medal game against USA in 2007, just unreal too. And and there's lots of other guys that like had their shining moments of the World Juniors. Casey Middlestack comes to mind. Um, and Spencer Knight was another one. Uh, there's there's lots of guys that had this, but the one thing I have to sell on this is, where's Russia? Well, you know, one of the world hockey powers. They're they're not in this tournament, so that's why it's sort of like, how would they have been? How would Mitchkov? I would have loved to see Matt Mitchkov and what he would have done on this stage too. Right, we're robbed. We're robbed from seeing that right now because we're just robbed. That's just, that's that's all I'm going to say with that. So it, it would be and wherever Connor Bedard goes. I know we were talking about it today with the Jacob Verana uh, wavering thing, and I was like, well, why wouldn't Arizona possibly go get him? Because uh, the Arizona Coyotes try to get as many points as you can. You're not winning the lottery anyway. Maybe maybe that means you're going to win the lottery if you get more points. So. Uh, you get teams like, by the way, the Vancouver Canucks. They're what? What are they? Five, five or six points out of the playoffs, and now they're like five or six points out of the bottom five. So, but guys, once again, this is Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk. Mark, you missed the uh, you missed the one I I added. I oh, guess. What, what do you got? I uh, wrote based on his scoring, you know, prowess lately, the hat trick, and then two goals the other, the other last night. I added. Oh, got uh, it. Yeah. Go ahead. Say, finish the rest of it. I'll type yeah, it Yeah, we know what this is about now. Alex Ovechkin has a shot at the Rocket Richard Trophy. Oh, go ahead. Start it. I'm going to say Beer. Um, he's gotten hot. Um, I just don't know if he maintains this because Connor McDavid seems to be scoring like once per game. And um, he's kind of been like – I would say, and I can't believe I'm saying these words with him, his production, but Connor McDavid is kind of like cool at a cool-down point right now. And he's going to get back up, and he's just going to start scoring again. And I just – I'm I'm going to say shot just because I think McDavid's just going to go off again. Uh, Anthony, I'll let you go last, so that way – because since this is your question – which, by the way, it's weird. I didn't even see that until literally you just said that and you put it in at 343. Um, I'm going to say beer, and the reason why I can say that is hell hath no fury like an Ovechkin motivated. Like this guy, when he just goes off, he goes off. And I think he's still a little bit behind McDavid. I mean, five. this is he's five, five goals behind McDavid. Yeah. But this guy, I mean, he is unparalleled with any goal scorer ever. I'd still put Gretzky right now as number one because when he was in his prime, man, that guy just found the net all the time. And But, I mean, 
Ovechkin, and, and you know what? He might get a thousand. He literally might, because once his legs go, he can find the open spot, bang, put it in the back of the net. Nobody one times it like him. Nobody, I think, in history. So yeah, Ovechkin could be it. I'm I'm gonna go beer. Um, he's you know he's five behind McDavid. Um, and one thing you got to remember, on his chase to Gretzky, and you see it a lot when the cap when the Capitals are up a goal or two goals, the other team has the goalie pulled. Um, you know, we, he's on the ice a lot. So I think he's going to get his fair share of empty net goals. And he's also going to just keep <laughs> goalies too, as we saw last night in the game against Montreal. Um, you know, five goals isn't a lot. I know McDavid could score at will too when he gets hot. But Ovechkin is a guy that, you know, he can go out next game and score another two or even get another hat trick. So, um, you know, I, I, I still think Mc, this is the year McDavid finally captures the Maurice Richard, but I, I can't count out Ovechkin this year. Um, you know, at 37 years old, he looks like he's actually even raising his game a level. I mean, the guy's on pace for what 56 goals and 90 some points, even at a pace for 100 now at this point. I'm not sure, he's but ridiculous. um, he's he, he, he's been he's been unreal this year, so I'm not going to count out the great eight. But also, by the way, keep this in mind nobody shoots the puck as much as Ovechkin, like Kobe Bryant shoots more than him. That's about it. So, uh, and by the way, Phil, this was your easy button that I have for you now. So you got that ready to go. <laughs> All right, everybody, once again, thanks for joining us at the Big Apple Hockey Bar Talk, where we're engaging our confidence on angel topics based on our choice of drink. So uh, we're going to go to news and notes right now. Uh, I'm actually going to head out on this one. I have some things to do tonight. So great talking with you all. Um, I will see you guys next week. Let's go Rangers and let's go Team USA. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go Team USA. Do nothing right now. So, who? USA. Oh, nice. Uh, who scored? Do you know? Uh, Logan Cooley scored the first one. The second one I didn't see. I actually turned the TV off. So, speaking about guys that the the Coyotes want to be good, Logan Cooley. Yeah, Logan Cooley. Can you imagine they get Bernard with Logan Cooley, and then um, who's the other one that they had that I was just thinking of? Um, Oh, Dylan Gunther. Oh, God, yeah. All right, yeah. Wait, 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 quick, Phil, before you go, if it's Bedard and Logan Cooley, who's the better center matchups if they go up against the Seattle uh, Kraken? What? Who would be the better centers? Like depth, center depth. Oh, you you mean who would have the better one-two punch in the future? Yeah. Talk about Matty Beers and Shane Rapp. At that point. Okay, just want to make sure. Yeah, that, that, all right, lay up, lay up, <laughs> lay up. There you, go. There you go. There's there's the all easy right. button right there for you. Cool. Take care, everybody. See you later, folks. All right, so we're probably going to go maybe about another uh, maybe five, ten minutes because I know you also have to uh, get off, and I also appreciate every time you're up until 8 o'clock as well, <laughs> Anthony. Um, but – so NHL news and notes. Uh... Well, I mean, I think it's noteworthy that you know you can make a case of the well Horvat's probably ahead, but three of the top four trade targets are all you know really kind of hurt now, right? O'Reilly, Tarasenko, mm-hmm. and Patrick Kane left the game the other day, and you know he's going to be evaluated and see you know what's up with him. So the three of them are out. Um, I don't. I don't think it's going to affect any of their trade statuses come the trade deadline. Uh, I think 
I think they you know at the end of the day I think they're they'll all be traded but um I just think it's funny that they are all out right now hopefully not uh long term um other than that uh not really not really too much going on uh news and notes um uh you know David actually just brought up the Rangers did extend Jimmy VC we didn't touch on that uh two year extension 800k um listen I'm not I've never been the biggest fan of VC but I mean I think he is fitting well um in his role this year i think when he first came into the league you know he was hyped and i think he probably put a lot of pressure on him to be an offensive type of player and really put up a lot of points um never really happened bounced around i think this time around with the rangers i think at this point in his career he realizes that you know he's a bottom six forward that could just play well defensively and you know bring some jam so good on him for getting the for getting that two-year extension i actually and again, I think I really like the VC's signing. Every time I talk about him, though, it's comparing him to the ice time of Kako and Lafreniere and mm-hmm. Heedle. He's getting an obscene amount of ice time. And if you use him more as a depth, a depth player, depth player, then it would actually be like better for the Rangers. I don't. I, he can fill in on the top line every now and again. Don't yeah. make him a focal point. 18 minutes, I, that's just bad. Oh, two to one. But are just saw that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza's um, in speculation on why Vrana was put on waivers. Um, so Robbie Fabry, yeah, you have to was, on this. Robbie Fabry was ready to come back from um, his ACL rehab. Uh, so they activated him and they needed a roster spot. Um, and they also wanted to get uh, Vrana extend his condition assignment, essentially. Um, so killed two birds with one stone. They got the roster space to move Fabry up, um, and they sent Rana back down to Grand Rapids where he could get some more games in. Um, I knew he wasn't going to get claimed because of his salary, and I also think that you know other GMs had a almost like a gentleman agreement there with Eiserman that okay, because everyone's surprised why, why is a player as good as Rana on you know on the waiver wire? And I think it was for that reason. And teams knew that, and they weren't going to do Eiserman like that. So, um, Brana, you know, I don't, we don't know what he dealt with, but you know, he needed some help from the players' assistance uh, program. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, for Detroit's sake, he comes back up, and he's a big contributor for him. So, um, mm-hmm. I, I think he'll be up in maybe another week or so, and he'll be scoring goals. That's what he seems to do, Mark. Every time he's in the line, I mean, hell, he only played two games for the Red Wings this year, and he had two points. So. Um, he's a guy that just scores goals and produces points. He's, he's a really good player. Anytime anybody goes to the NHL assistance program, I always, always wish them the best. You're admitting that there's a problem you need to go get it taken care of. That's the number one thing that matters. Nothing. Yeah. It, nothing matters on top of that. We've, we already talked about this with, um, with Hamlin, just that's the number one thing. Sports comes second. Yeah. Now, once he's fine though, you know, uh, they got to make sure that they bring him back in the lineup. Uh, and then he's he's going to produce. Kid, the kids just got ice water in his veins. And he and I thought about that all the way back to when he was huge for the Capitals in the Stanley Cup Finals in 2018. And, uh, you know, the he's going to be a damn good Red Wing. Hopefully it's just a bump, speed bump. That's it. Boom, boom. And it goes right back to it. Because uh, the Red Wings could be scary in a few years, uh, maybe next year as early as next year. 
So. Yeah, they they, def, they definitely got some good pieces. Um, you know, Moritz Sider's not having a good year uh, this year as he had last year. Still fabulous defenseman, not worried about him. Um, but I, I feel like he hasn't played as well as he did last year. No, but, but Hironic's playing well, so. Yeah, Hironic, yeah. Um, and then the Red Wings have an interesting decision to make with Dylan Larkin. Dylan Larkin can be an unrestricted free agent this summer. Um, you know, the Red Wings – they're likely going to miss the playoffs. So, you know, if he's not signed yet, come the trade deadline, you know, what do they do? Um, would they entertain trading Dylan Larkin? A lot of teams would line up for him. I can tell you that much. Mm-hmm. A lot of teams can line up for him. I'll tell you this. Uh, I, I use this example with a lot of other guys. Say, for instance, like uh, when we'll talk about Jacob Truba this season. Well, if the Rangers want to trade Jacob Truba, they can get him to waive his no trade clause. He ain't waiving it. He's waving it this year or next year. When it's a limited no trade and he's got basically no choice, then he'll go. Because when you go through a rebuilding process, when the team is good, why would you want to move on? Like, it's just that. Like, when the Rangers were coming out of the rebuild and that they end up buy out Henrik Lundqvist, he he wasn't going to waive his no trade clause. I mean, mean, there you go. So, Dylan Larkin is sort of like that same situation, though, Anthony, where it's, I think Dylan Mark is going to look at it and go, we're coming out of this. I want to stay. Yeah, he might. Yeah, he might want to see it through. Um, and the Red Wings have cap space to play with, so it shouldn't be too much of a difficult negotiation. So I, I think he will stay, but I, believe me, Eiserman's going to get phone calls on him come the deadline if he's not signed yet. Um, yeah, re, re-entry waivers were eliminated. I can't remember. Maybe it's been a good three years since re-entry waivers was was taken out of the game where you'd have to yeah. go through waivers to call someone back up. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know when David for sure. It was, it was a few years ago. Like that used to be the thing. Cause that's how Sean Avery became a Ranger again because of re-entry waivers. Yeah. Cause they expected him to be called right back up and then they ended up getting that. So, I mean, this, this would be the definition of a hockey trade, but what, what incentive does Detroit have for that? Because I don't, I don't see Bo Horvat extending in Detroit. You would have to sign the extension right away. Yeah. And let's not forget, Detroit is called Hockey Town for a reason. So players will want to go there. Yeah. Just uh, I, I'm, I'm not. I the mean, biggest... it's, it's a trade Vancouver would make because Larkin's still young enough to fit in with their retool or whatever they, whatever they're doing there. But I, from Detroit, I don't, I don't think Horvat would, would resign with Detroit. So, um, I, I, I wouldn't see that happening. I think, I think Bo Horvat is going to be traded. Um, and I think the Canucks are going to get a lot for him. I mean, he had both goals last night for Vancouver. And um, they were great. Yeah, yeah. One was a one was a textbook deflection. The other one was a rocket from, like, the bumper spot. Um, you know, It's a great thing he's totally distracted by his contract talks, by the way. <laughs> he's got 28 goals. <laughs> he, had, he had 31 all of last year, which was his career high. He's going to shatter that. Um I mean, I would I would do bad things to see Bo Horvat in the blue and orange. Uh, I really, I, I I really would. Um, hopefully, Luke. Hopefully, Big Lou got a big look at him uh, last night. But uh, yeah, um, I said it. I'd I'd rather him than Patrick Kane. I, I really would. Uh, easily, I would agree with you on that because again, I still think the Rangers need a third center. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons why we talked about Ryan O'Reilly tonight because. The great question for the Rangers is going to be, what are they going to do with Filipino? Because if you're going to move on with him from him during the summer or even trade him, then it makes sense to make a move. And an article is coming out about this 
very soon. It makes sense to move on from him at the trade deadline, which I thought they actually did when they traded Andrew Cobb and ended up being Morgan Barron. Uh, a couple of people cried because I can't remember the impact Morgan Barron had. Morgan Barron was probably like, what, really? Going from New York to Winnipeg? Um, but still, it's just – it's one of those things – there are other players out there that would benefit the New York Rangers. Obviously, Bo Horvat would do that, but I think he's overkill because they use their number one power play so much. It's uh, I, I'm a big Bo, Bo Horvat fan. It's just – I wonder where his landing spot is in the offseason. I mean, uh, oh, in the offseason, um, I was going to say, I, I could I could see Boston – if Boston traded for him at the deadline, they would be a really scary team. Boston's going balls to the wall this year. He, he he's a he's a Bruins type of player too. Um, I could easily see that happening. Um, but no, nah, you know, for the Rangers standpoint, you have to re-sign Keandre Miller. You have to re-sign Philip Heedle, um, and you have to re-sign Alexis, Alexis Lafreniere, Lafreniere. Uh, and Vitaly Krasov still an RFA. I mean, the good thing is Krasov and Lafreniere haven't done anything to warrant like you know big contracts. But um, you know, Heedle's gonna want he's making what 2.75 something right now i mean he's yeah gonna, I, thought, I thought it was 2.5 or 2.5 yeah so. he's probably gonna at least want into the fours i would think and if it's on a long-term deal probably even a little bit more so um you know the, the rangers that's why they're in no position to really add a big contract like kane or horvat because they're not they wouldn't be able to afford to keep any of them long term so it would be foolish to give up you know prime assets for any of them um Unless you're giving up a guy for a rental to go for the cup. Yeah, but I mean, I yeah, I don't know. Um, like that—that's where Kane doesn't make any sense to me, Anthony. Kane doesn't make any sense. It makes sense for Patrick Kane. You're going from the Blackhawks to the Rangers. Still, it doesn't even make that much sense for Patrick Kane either. He just played a thousand games with Jonathan Taves uh, together in the uh, Chicago video that I did, it was actually at the game versus the Rangers that they played a thousand games together. Your legacy secured. You already got everything you could ever hope for. You yep. don't need to go chase a championship. So kind of the way I feel about that. Yeah. I, well, I said that too. He doesn't really have to go anywhere if he doesn't want to, um, you know, the losing might wear on him though. You know, the, the Blackhawks are, are, are miserable. Um, you know, and also, to, especially if he sees his friend Jonathan Taves, uh, you know, say, "Okay, I'll wave. I want out." Um, I, I don't see why he would stay at that point, too. So, and that's we'll, true too. We'll have to, you know, we'll have to see there. But, um, but God, there are players that do value playing with one franchise. No, there are absolutely. No, you're, you're right. Yeah, like Brian Leach never wanted to be traded, so no. that was for one. And although it did allow him to eventually play his final season as boss in Boston. Anthony, you, if you, you have a magic wand right now. Let me just take the magic wand, hand it to you right there. What is your New York Islanders move? I got to worry about assets. I got to go Bo Horvat. Okay. I, I think he's, I think he's the guy. I mean, I know Patrick Kane would be the, would be the sexier name um, to acquire. I mean, you know, he's a Hall of Famer, adding him that the, just the marquee name of Patrick Kane coming to the New York. I mean, that would do wonders for them off the ice, too, with, you know, long-term effect going into the offseason and, and free agents and whatnot, um, because Kane would have to wave to be traded there. And, and he, he has a strong 
strong admiration for Matt Barzell. He said on numerous occasions, um, you know, how much he, he admires his skating and just the way he plays the game. Um, so the, the fit the fit is there. And, and I, I do think Patrick Kane would consider coming to the island. I just um, – I don't know. I, I, I Kane's more – Kane can score goals, but he's more of a playmaker too in my opinion. You know, the Islanders need someone who can – who could snipe and score goals and Bo Horvat is filling the net right now. So I think oh, yeah. for sure. And uh, first Pete saying this one in Buffalo, uh, Buffalo remains in contention. See, this is where Buffalo now becomes a realistic option. And also uh, saying that Kane and Taze might want to be a package deal. I don't know what the, uh, the asking price on that would be. Not possible. Yeah, if they're a package, it's it's very. You're talking about even with fifty percent salary retention, you're you're adding ten million dollars as salary cap. Yeah, it's not playoff team has got that. And I, you know what, I don't see Kane going to Buffalo because Buffalo right now again they're not they're not better than the Islanders. They're not better than the Rangers. They're not better than Pittsburgh. Even they're not better than Washington, who's going to get Backstrom and Wilson back. Um, so, I mean, it's a good story. Thompson's killing it, but I don't see their goaltending is, I mean, they're, they're out of the three goalies right now, Craig Anderson has the best save percentage. What does that tell you that a 42 year old? So um, the and Sabres you, don't have, know if you're over 40, you're basically dead. The Sabres don't have the, the tools to get there. And, you know, Patrick Kane, if, if he decides that he's going to uproot his, you know, life or be and be away with, be away from his wife and, and kid for a couple of months, He's going to do it to know he's going to a team that's, A, definitely going to make the playoffs, and, B, has a strong shot of winning the Stanley Cup. The Sabres don't have a strong shot of making the playoffs, and even if they did make the playoffs, they're not winning the Stanley Cup. So I see I see no path for Patrick Kane being traded to the Buffalo Sabres this year. Yeah, I think they would have to be on an incredible roll, and they would have to like uh... – let me see if I can get the name right. Are you ready, Anthony? Uma Pekka Lokanen? <laughs> yeah. Uh, go, yeah. Uh, but UPL. UPL. I mean, and by the way, the funny part is the way I'm trying to remember that name is obviously Uma Thurman, Pekka Rene, and Kristana <laughs> Lokanen. So, I mean, yeah. By the way, Terminator 3 was the worst one out of all of them. Uh, but it's, it's one of those things that I just – They'd really have to show a strong case. By the way, great job with by by with what Don Gradano's doing over there, especially that they're not made to be the most talented team. And look at what they're doing. They're developing players. I mean, we talked about Dylan Cousins comparing his stats to Alexei Lafreniere because one of them gets to play with Tage Thompson, the other one gets to play with Philip Heedle. That's a different story, but um, it's it's uh, just call him Justin. No, I'm not going to do that just yet. But I mean, they're do, they're they're doing such a great job. They're on an upwards tra- trajectory. Yeah, That's they got, what really they matters their, in Buffalo. They also got their goalie of the future in the pipeline with Devin Levy. He put up great numbers oh. last year in college. Yeah, and if he actually puts up those numbers, how are we doing, John? Uh, if he puts up those numbers in the NHL, well, it's unreal to put up those numbers in the NHL. Anything like those, man, the Buffalo. You, we might look at that summer of chaos and think that Kevin Adams – I almost feel like I have to apologize to Kevin Adams. 
Like I, I, I did the uh, the honest trailers, which uh, yeah, sorry, the honest press conferences, which we haven't done one in a while. We have to do yeah. a schedule another one of those. But the, the honest press conferences where uh, where he was just like crying because everybody yep. wanted to leave his team. Well, he's coming out smelling like a rose on the Sam Reinhardt trade because that's uh, uh, Devin Levy, and or and um, he got another forward at twenty eight with that with that draft pick, and. Um, and th- he's also looking like the Jack Eichel trade's working out. Alex Tuck is 17 goals. Yeah. He's he's playing really <laughs> well. Yep. He's got 17 goals. And speaking about a guy that went home, Alex Tuck is from that area. Yep. Hey so, Mark, did you uh did you have the uh Colorado Avalanche being out of a playoff spot in January on your bingo card? I did not. I did not. And by yeah. the way, uh I answered a question about that on on um, Twitter the other day, one of the guys said, "I'm gonna. I'm also looking up where they are in the standings right now. They're, they're they are getting back Nate McKinnon, but they're only Anthony, one point behind color behind um, the Oilers for wild card spot. Well, be behind first things, first things first. You have to get you have to get a full season workload out of Alexander Georgiev, and I'm gonna go to his his stats right now, and I can tell you." He has nowhere near a full season's worth uh, in his career. He's got 27 games right now. Pavel Francois has only got nine. Georgiev's save percentage, if you remember two weeks ago, was around 9.33. It's at 9.15. He's now below um, uh, Igor Sesterkin in his save percentage. And his goals against 2.68, that is just not good. The max amount of – now, by the way, whether or not an Anthony – whether or not it's fair or unfair, as I'm looking at my monitor that you're not on at the moment because I'm on the Alexander Georgiev stats. Uh, I always call this the Yaroslav Halak rule because I always felt like he broke down when the season went on. The max he's ever played in a season is 34 games. This is Georgiev. How is he going to get this team into the playoffs and then the Stanley Cup just because they – uh, he hasn't he hasn't had the workload I, I still no think I still think that the avalanche are gonna get in the playoffs I think they're too talented not to um as far as winning a cup I mean put it this way they won a cup with Darcy Kemper I mean is Darcy Kemper that much of a difference from Georgiev yes mm. yes he is and the reason why I'm gonna tell you that is the Darcy Kemper that was in Arizona was a damn good goalie. Was he average with with Buffalo? Uh, sorry, with uh, with Colorado. Yeah, he was average. But Anthony, I'm sorry if you got a guy that can't uh, can't do the work. It doesn't matter whether or not they're good enough. I get. That. I guess my point was that if you're like if you have a team like the Avalanche, you could still win a cup with a with an average goalie. Because I would say Kemper's an average goalie. So, well, I, I let need- me let me back up your point a little bit more. Who's a better goalie, Henrik Lundqvist or Antti Niemi? <coughs> Henrik Lundqvist. Who's a better goalie, Henrik Lundqvist or Corey Crawford? Henrik Lundqvist. I mean, we can do this for a while. Darcy Kemper or Henrik Lundqvist. It's Henrik Lundqvist. You're right about this because the, the elite goalies haven't exactly won. Carey Price hasn't won. Henrik Lundqvist hasn't won. But when you have the entire team focused on them, it's Pete, just – Pete, quick on the stats there. This is my point. Not far off. So – yeah, those numbers are going to get much worse for uh, Georgiev soon enough. 
Like I've I've brought this up about Georgiev during the summer. Every year, his goals against has gone up. His save percentage has gone down. His save percentage has dropped 15 points in the last three weeks. It's going to get worse. If he finishes with a 905, I'm not going to be surprised. At least it's an improvement, I think. Maybe 908 was last year. Uh, he was 998 last year with the New York Rangers and a 9.92 goals against average. And... I mean, people fawned over this guy, and I, I couldn't help it. Like, uh, he was, he's not even Vesa Toskala, never mind Mika <laughs> Kerasov. So, speaking <laughs> about great goalies that I've won. And also, as Chris T mentioned it too, one thing you know, can, can we honestly say Calgary is going to heat up and they're going to make the playoffs? Yeah, I think they'll, I think they're going to get in. We can all think that, but. Do we know? That's the hard well, part. Well, no, no. Well, we we're don't, just assuming but, it. But if you look at the Western Conference, aside from Colorado, what other team outside of a playoff spot right now is really that much of a threat to anybody in a spot? Look at the standings. Yeah. <laughs> St. Louis? No. Nope. St. So Louis is done. So that so that's why I think that the that the um flames will get in. Oh, and I, I didn't read the comment. I just highlighted it. So anybody in our um, audio that's listening didn't hear this. But John D. Lee saying uh, missing the APB on Sammy Blay, still stuck in St. Louis. I've been saying the same thing all year. Like, I can't wait to see the Rangers acquire this guy Sammy Blay from them. But he's right. But by the way, Pete is right about that, where it's we might need to recalibrate on save percentage. Only 15 of 32 clubs are above 900. Because well, if you look like back – Back in the you know the two thousands ish, you know when Brodor was was still considered one of the top goalies in the league. If you looked at it, like a top save percentage, like was like nine twenty, roughly. Mm-hmm. You you know um, now guys have risen above to where you know where nine twenty save percentage sometimes is not even good for you know like fifth in the league. So. I get what he's, I get what he's saying there. Like you know, like you know, e- Igor Sturkin has about nine seventeen save percentage. I feel like I years, right now, yeah. I feel like twenty years ago, if you had a nine save, if you had a nine seventeen save percentage, you know, you're one of the, you're probably at the top of the league in that regard. Um, not, not really the case anymore. Um, you know, for me, I would say I don't know how you feel about it. I, I would say anything above, above nine twenty is like is elite and anything you know when you when you start to get to you know 925 930 or more you're you're talking you're you're playing at a at like a peak hashik level yeah like god level i'll actually raise it to about 925 because let me read off the guys that have a the the league leaders in save percentage for you lena solmark 937 yeah um <laughs> So that's the only way to, that's the only way to describe that. Connor Hellbuck, nine twenty eight, very good. Who's your guy at third place? Ilya Sorokin, nine twenty six. Piotr, uh, I screwed his name up already. Piotr Kochekov at nine twenty four. That number is going to plunge uh, drastically soon, um, especially if he keeps that five hole open. I mean, I do credit the Rangers by the way. Last night they were just throwing pucks at him. And they were just getting through. And I do have to say the pass that Mika Zvanajad made that ended up going in the net, I think he was expecting Trocek to catch it, and Trocek just missed it, and it just went in. So, anyway, Craig Anderson, 
923, how he's got a 923. I think if you took like the last five years of his career, you wouldn't get to a 923 if you added them all up. Andre Vasilevsky, although, by the way, in Ottawa and, and Florida, he is, um, and in Colorado, he had a lot of big save games. Uh, Vasilevsky, 921. Jake Ottinger, 920. Philip Gustafson, 920. Matt Murray, 920. And again, back to your boy, Simeon Verlamov at 919. So, I mean, Anthony, you, you're kind of right about that. It's, I think it's, but it's, it's also not exactly translating because Ilya Sorokin, he's only two games above 500 with the third best save percentage. Well, what does that, what does that go to show you? I mean, that, I think that, that, that the Islanders are letting up a lot of shots. That, and also that sometimes he loses simply because the Islanders aren't scoring enough goals. That's I mean, there's some out like the, the, the game against St. Louis where they almost came back and I think they lost like, it was seven four or or a couple like a couple of weeks ago. They came um, back. I think it might have been seven four. So but yeah, where, where he let up that he let up that stinker, and then the Islanders responded. And if it weren't for that, maybe they would have ended up like getting a point. But I mean that that's an outlier. Usually, usually the Islanders don't give him a lot of run support. I mean. To put in perspective, I think John Van Beesburg, when he was a New York Ranger in 1986, won the Vesna Trophy with I th- it was I think an 889 save percentage. If you have an 889 save percentage right now in the NHL, they throw you out of the league. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I get that, oh, yeah. 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 And like I'm not I don't want to take away a lot from Linus Olmark. I mean, he's leading in wins, save percentage, goals against average. But if you look. If you look at his career, I mean, what he's doing right now is an anomaly. Like he's he's never posted these type of numbers before. Um, I think I think he's one. He's having a career year, and I think he's playing in front of a very stingy stingy Boston Bruins team. Um, like, yeah, he has he has the best numbers in the league right now. But in my opinion, I don't know how you agree about it. He's not he's not anywhere close to being the best goalie in the league. Like when you think when you think of the best goalies in the league. I still don't think Linus Olmark. You know, I think Shesterkin, Sorokin, um, Hellebuck, Vasilevsky. Well, we're also looking at it based on talent, too. Well, yeah. And yeah. We're, if you look at it based on numbers, right now, we, unfortunately, you have, to, you have to say, well, talent and history. Because we knew that this was going to be the next step for Ilya Sorokin. That was going to happen. We know this. And then you get Linus Olmark that comes in, who – kind of fulfills what the what the Bruins thought they were signing because they thought they had this guy. They watched him in Buffalo and they went, all right, he's going to be something. And then Jeremy Swayman basically takes his job last year. And he also didn't really perform that well. But that, now you have it where now he's performing at a high level. How do you even take him out of the net? But yes, it's it's sort of like an anomaly what he's doing as opposed to say, I mean, I, I did say the two games over 500 for Sorokin, but he's more in the area of Jacob DeGrom, if you will, of a great player doing his best for a team and they're just not getting enough wins. So that's that's as now – and Connor Hellebuck great, having a great season. But by the way, he already has a Vesna, so that's not really going to help him at all, especially now. I mean, I, I kind of said this before. I think there's sort of a feeling now – if you got one trophy, we don't need to hand you another one unless you really, really earn it. And I mean, Roman Yossi 
who was already a Norris Trophy winner, should have won the Norris Trophy last year. Sorry, Kel McCarr, you're going, you're going to have multiple Norris trophies, even in the parameters that I just said. But it's, I still think it was Roman Yossi's uh, Norris Trophy last year. Although that being said, Kel McCarr is also on my fantasy team. I would appreciate it if the production would kick up a little bit more. Um, I do not have it on yet, guys, and I actually would like to watch some of the games soon. So we're uh, we're gonna go a couple more minutes. We'll see whether or not Anthony could come back on. Yeah, I'm but, gonna. Um, oh, there he is. All right. Um. Well, here's the thing: which goalie tandem is better? Uh, David said you click this. We click the same one at the same time. Uh, well, all I'm gonna tell you. All, all I'm gonna tell you about that is look look at Swayman's save percentage, and then and then tell me which tandem. I mean, I, I'm not being a homer here, an Islander fan, but Varlamov. Obviously, we know Ilya Sorokin; he's elite. Varlamov has a nine one nine has a nine one nine save percentage. We all know Olmark's having a great year. But take, but take a look at Swayman's statistics, and that tells you, and that tells you all that that gives you your answer, really. In my in my yeah. opinion. Well, um, I think it's no contest. It's the Islanders' um, tandem better. Because Varlama still, he's a starting goalie. And you know what? By the way, you got to credit the work that he's put in, Simeon Varlamov, because he's taken to the backup role. And you know, I, I the Islanders are a team I don't want to face in the playoffs for multiple reasons. No, I'm not going to lie. One of them is I'm also a bartender. I can only imagine the amount of fights I'm going to have to break up. So, so Swayman, Swayman has a Swayman has an eight ninety seven save percentage, and he plays he plays behind the same team. Holmark, Holmark does tells you everything everything you need well, to know. Some guys need to play a lot more. Some guys can't do it. Uh, I know I just used that argument for Alexander Georgiev before. Oops, yeah, got that one. But don't you know um, Varlamov? Shannon said Varlamov has been incredible. I mean, I I think he's been. I think he's been extremely helpful to Sorokin getting acclimated um, with the game here in, in North America. Um, and, you know, you know, for the last two years, people have said, oh, well, the Islanders trade Varlamov because Sorokin you knows rose to the top. Uh, but you see how important goaltending is. Like, Jarry got hurt. You know, now you see what Pittsburgh's dealing with, and you've seen it in the past. Um, honestly, he's in the last year of his contract, Mark. I'm willing to bet that Varlamov stays on the island and he signs a cheap deal, uh, unless unless he still has aspirations of being the guy somewhere else. Shannon, you might want to say think of those shots, but unfortunately, uh, I give given up shots at work for my New Year's resolution. So, Varley has been incredible. I will say that. <laughs> David, we'll trade a bag of pucks for Yaroslav no, Lock. No, no, thanks. I don't. I don't need to lock back. Um, Although I do have the credit, Yaroslav Halak, the game against the Florida Panthers this week, he was definitely the difference in that game. I mean, the Rangers did lead, I think it was 4-1 to one at one point, but it's uh, maybe it was 4-2, but it, it's still, you, without Yaroslav Halak in that game, Rangers might not have won that game. Yeah, so. no, that's fair. That's fair to say. Um, yeah. And Mark, what do you, what's your thoughts on, so obviously you saw what Shosturkin did last year in terms of his uh, his numbers, you know, his save percentage. This year he's at nine one seven um, or nine one six, I believe. One one of the two. So, do you think which is, do, you, do you think do you think last year was an you know last year is an anomaly, and this year is who he is, or you think it's somewhere in between? 
what are what are your thoughts on um, I think he's actually a little bit closer to the last year. I think he's pressing a little bit right now. And and it's not that that it's he's not as bad as he was at the beginning of the month. His confidence was very shaken last last month and that was one of the reasons why we were sounding <laughs> red alert the entire time. I I, I read David Salak comments uh, that he has down there. So um, as far as, but as far as Sisterkin goes, he, he's not a 917 goal goalie. He's, he's definitely higher than that. I understand he was at God level, but I think he was just playing with so much confidence that it's nothing was phasing him. Uh, the first three games of the Penguin series, the first four games, I should say, really kind of got there with what I thought he was gassed. I think we might be seeing the workload or he might be adjusting right now. Uh, that could be one thing, but we're starting to see him sort of return to form. I mean, he's not fantastic, but he made a bunch of really good saves, especially on Seth Jarvis at the end of last night. So he's definitely him and him and Sorokin are comparable goalies. I know I've got yeah. in the argument the last couple of days with, Oh, uh, Ilya's better than Igor. Is he? Cause Igor has got some hardware. It's all, I mean, but I'll, I'll say this and I know, but Anthony, let me say this. It's only a matter of time until, uh, until Sorokin's got one himself. Cause I think, yeah, I mean, good of a goal. I think last year there's no question that, that Igor is better um, this year. Um, you know, I know Shesterkin has, has the wins on him, but in terms of statistics across the board, um, Sorokin's better this year. Um, mm. They're both, they're both high level elite, you know, elite goalies. And I think, uh, put it, put it this way. If, if, you know, Lou would say no, Lou would say no for Tua Sorokin, Shesterkin swap and Drury would probably say no. Cause they like their guys. So they're both, yeah, they're both, um, you know, elite, Elite goalies and uh the way that it was scouted when they were coming into the, the league together it was Sorokin is the better athlete, Sisterkin is the better goalie. And you could see on display both of those times where Sorokin's athleticism covers up if he's off his angle at all. And sometimes where you could see where Sisterkin is just in position or able to get into position. A little bit quicker i i think that assessment could be made for both of them these russian goalies that they're putting out recently anthony i said this for years you got all the talented russian scorers where are the russian goaltenders and now you're seeing a bevy of them coming out my coach Chekhov yeah. is, is real good i actually think he might be a real difference maker for the carolina hurricanes no, de definitely um and, for sure uh, you know and obviously and vasilevsky yeah, and Vasilevsky, his numbers in the regular season the last two years haven't been as good, you know, as Igor or or Ilya. But come playoff time, he's he's still he's still the czar, if you will. Um, you can't yeah. take that title away from him. He he wins he wins big games. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think I think they're I think they're pretty even. Um, you know, they're they're both they're both capable of stealing games. Um, and look at last year. I mean, what Sorokin did last year on a bad Islander team was just was just super impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, he he was second to Igor in in save percentage. 
And I said it last year. You looked around. You looked around at all the goalies in the top, you know, eight and save percentage. They were all on good playoff teams. And here's, you know, here's Sorokin sitting at number two on a bad team. Um, that I mean, that just shows the type of goalie he is. So that also tells you, by the way, Anthony, that it's you, sometimes you can't predict things. Because my Vezina Trophy winner was going to be UC Soros. We're about a month away from our uh, midseason awards. But I thought UC Soros was going to pick up where it was last year. And you know what? He hasn't. But Sorokin's made that jump instead. And that's what you got to love about watching guys like this. Like, he made a couple of saves that I was like, I thought that was in the net. And it, it you, 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 end, you end up at the bar looking at the TV just going, oh. Yeah, he, he made <laughs> He made, he made one and lost to Seattle where he, he's, you know, he's laying on the ice, like his, his stomach's on the ice. Um, and I think it was Bjorkstrand that had the puck at the side of the net. He had the whole net. And Sorokin just lifts his – he lifts – I don't know if you saw it. He just lifts his pad up yeah. in the air just enough to make the save. And I'm like, I mean, th- this that's the type of stuff that he does seemingly on a, on a nightly basis. He just makes a save he has no business making. Uh, I think a little bit of that, by the way, comes into the Dominic Hachek influence. You see a lot of these guys use the Dominic You're just never out of it. You just get in and look. And Sorokin will always talk about his, his greatest save is probably the St. Patrick's Day save on, I want to say it was Mika Zibanejad. Just, he rifled the one-timer and he just reaches back and bats it into the crowd uh, with a stick. That was Panarin. And, Oh, all right. Then it was Panarin. Then so either way, it was just un- unbelievable on the on these. By the way, uh, David's bringing up a good point. It's all those Bullen Wall fans growing up. And by so, the way, uh, Anthony, Anthony, that's such a great nickname, the Bullen Wall for yeah. Nikolai Javi Bullen. Go ahead. Uh, ESPN Plus. That's how I watch all the out of market games. They have the package with with Hulu and Disney Plus. Um, so, yeah. I don't know about you, Mark, but that's how I watch Adam Mark. That's how, that's how I watch a lot of these too. <laughs> yeah, and 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 look, I know it's a low hanging fruit. Leah Hextall is just not my favorite. That's the, all, all I'm going to say about that. Like, oh, she was uh, brutal in this in that game the other night. I, I I couldn't. I mean, uh, it was bad. Yeah, I mean, there's. This point, I mean, let me let me let me change around because last night Brendan Burke wasn't doing the um uh the Islanders game, and yeah. I think he's Alan in the league. Alan Furing, the Bridgeport uh guy. Which, by the way, n- no no disrespect to him in any way. <laughs> it's when you talk about guys that are among the best, and they are among the best. Like I I I. I can listen to Kenny Albert all day. Kenny Albert, I yeah. I know people have people complain to him about me. I'm like, I won't hear it. Kenny Albert is armed with facts. He's he's an, an amalgamation of every great announcer that he's ever known. And that guy could do anything any day of the week. I'm happy to listen to him during the Winter Classic. And I think the TNT gets Stanley Cup Finals this year too. Yeah, because ESPN was last year. I think they're alternating. Yeah. So. Um, so, but Mark, before, before I head out, I, I just want to switch gears, uh, real quick. And, um, you know, now that the NFL is down to week 18, the last week of the, of the season, um, two things, how, how are you feeling about your, the chances of your dolphins making the playoffs? Um, 
I'm more skeptical that I might have a date this week, uh, or optimistic I might have a date this week, than the Dolphins making the playoffs. It's just not happening. It's not going to happen in any way, shape, or form. Well, what, I mean, uh, well, they why have you say blown it? their chance. Why you say who they who do they play? The uh, they play the Jets, but it doesn't matter. They need to win, and the Patriots need to lose. Now, by the way, I have no idea pa- what pa- the Bills' pa- mindset is. Patriots are saying are playing Buffalo, so that's that's that could be an easy loss for the Patriots. You could, you could talk about a team that's either going to be trying to pay tribute to their teammate or a team that's emotionally spent and that hasn't. Yeah, had I much guess practice. that's true. I guess that's true. Um, but I mean, no, I, none I'll, of us, none of us know what's going to show up on that field this week. Yeah, and I almost think it's unfair to the Patriots. Never mind the Bills, but the Patriots then have to play this game against them. Like, there's so many factors with this right now. I just, I, 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 I can't believe it. But, but Anthony, the Dolphins, the Dolphins had many chances. They, they no, they, they did. They, 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 they lost five in a row. Yeah, no, they did. They, they, you know, made their bed now that they're lying it. But they still have a glorious chance because they should beat the Jets. And all things considered, the Bills should beat, uh, beat the Patriots. Um, yeah. The last. Well, then you you also have to worry about the Steelers. The Steelers are eight and eight too. I believe the Steelers can still make the playoffs too. Um, yeah, but they need a Dolphins loss and a Patriots loss and a win. Yeah, that that um, gets them in. All three teams lose, then the Patriots go in. And my I last think there's question was more of the scenario. You know, obviously the concern is for for Jamar Hamlin, and, and rightfully so. Um, yeah, but how how do they determine now who? Who's going to be the number one seed in the AFC? Because they, they're they not, as you saw, they're not making any changes uh, right now to week 18. So how are the Bills going to play that extra game? Because that extra game is going to determine who's, you know, who's who has the number one bye. Um, the Bills the Bills are the Chiefs. Um, because, I mean, you can't, you can't be, you have to be fair to Buffalo. I mean, because if, if Buffalo would have beat, if Buffalo would have beat Cincinnati, they would be tied with Kansas City. They have the tiebreaker. So all Buffalo I think it would, would come to, down to win percentage. So all Buffalo would have to do is beat the Patriots, and they have the Biden number one seed. But but if they don't make up that game, then what what I mean what happens? Who, who is who and is when the do they one? make up that game? That's why I think actually it, it's it's a tough call. It's only Wednesday. They could still do this. I think the NFL should have canceled all games this week <laughs> and moved them all back a week. And you you I then think lose that's the, the bye week. You lose the bye week for the Super Bowl, then. I think that's what they should have done, because um, I think you just, I still I still think you need to play that game. Uh, I know David's saying with any luck, both the Chiefs and the Bengals lose. And yeah, that that's true, but yeah, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting how and, they play that out. And look, again, I'm going to repeat what I said at the beginning of the program. The nothing matters except the health of Demar Hamlin. That being said. There was a lot about that game. We're talking. We're already talking about different seedings, uh, the chances of three different teams that could get home field uh, advantage, and and also, yeah. I mean, as as Phil said, don't give me about your fantasy teams or your gambling um, uh, pools, but it's stuff that is all still a factor. There are there's tens of millions of dollars out there, if not hundreds, that are out there. But again, nothing matters except for the health of Demar Hamlin. 
I mean, it's that's the only thing that could possibly be even better on this. So before I go on a rant or accidentally get myself in trouble, which I shouldn't because, again, the number one thing is this kid's health. There is nothing else. Everything else is irrelevant. And there were some other tweets from other reporters or such that they didn't realize what the magnitude of what was going on was. Is why, especially when it comes to injuries, don't say anything yet. In hockey, we've... uh, I'm old enough to remember Clinton Warnchuk. Many people are old enough to remember Richard Zednick, who were two guys that had uh, their throats cut with blades, and fortunately they were able to to live through it. I remember Dennis Bird. I remember um, the Lions guy. I think it's I think it's Utley. I can't remember his name at the moment. Um, I remember uh, Kevin Martin. As a matter of fact, the same doctor that worked on Kevin Martin also worked on uh, Richard Zednick. And again, if Richard Zednick acted a little bit slower, he he would have been he would have lost his life. It's, it's 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 amazing when you end up thinking about stuff like this how crazy it could be and uh the guy that was hit on his head uh hit his head on the ice on the north stars actually that one i don't remember yeah it, it was ali thank you frank and by the way welcome to the show um but it's, it's it's crazy all the ramifications they talk about with these things. And again, nothing matters except this 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 kid's health. Um, Dave, that's where the Bill Masterson order comes from? That's that's amazing. Thank you. It's one of those things. Um, and and again, it's it, it's and, and, and David, I understand what you're saying with that. I'm uh, I don't need to highlight what you what you say right there. You're right about that, but um, there's still a process to go with all this. And as what a lot of people have said, Pete Rozelle's worst decision ever was playing after the Kennedy assassination. And you you don't need another moment like that. That the all, all sports leagues did the right thing after 9/11 by backing things up. Um, I think it was even two weeks. I don't even think it was one week, if I recall correctly. Um, no, it was just a week. It was just a week. That's when everything stood still. One week for the NFL, and I think it was uh, 10 days for baseball. But it was... It's it's crazy when moments like this happen and the magnitude of it. This, I, 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 just, I just hope we're hearing more good news for, for Hamlin soon enough. I mean, think about... Think about what happened with Dale Earnhardt. Dale Earnhardt just routine, just just trying to block so that way uh, his son could finish in a better spot in the Daytona 500, and he ends up dying in a crash. Uh, there's there's just too much of this uh, that that you can end up thinking about. Rich Peverly is the one that always came to mind right away for me, and. Uh, I want to say it was Yuri Hoodler for the Detroit Red Wings. I want to say that was around 2005 when he collapsed on the bench, and those were and those were terrible moments. And it's just the the magnitude of all this. And I don't blame a single NFL player if they said I don't want to play this week. I, I don't. 
because what happened with that uh it didn't seem like it was going to be a big deal it seemed like it was just a routine play and then i've had it where i i had a one of uh, my regulars at the bar they were just out with their family and then suddenly um they just fell like a plank like that and um she hit her head we got an ambulance and everything for her and i, I think they they said it was from dehydration so it's sometimes sometimes stuff can happen uh yeah there were pre-existing conditions yes for beverly and uh um Beverly, by the way, as the story goes, he has to go back into the game. And fortunately, the NFL, the easiest decision any any league had to do is, no like that happens, you cancel the game. Thank you very much, everybody. We'll suspend the game. We'll come back to it another time. And, you know, I guess one way around it is, what if uh, the Bills win, the Bengals, the Chiefs lose? And then you could just say it's a 7-3 win for the Bengals. There you go. But there's um, is just you, you never you never know what these things and it's as Phil said before was equivalent to getting struck by lightning, like how freak it is. And uh, I had a friend of mine tell me it's something that happens with firemen is an impact to the chest. It'll happen, but. Uh, Again, our thoughts and our hearts all go out to him. And yeah, well, Doctor Dr. Atkins was a different story. Uh, but David's right about this. Like, you could be walking down the street and just, you know, have a heart attack. You just don't know when things can happen. Uh, but again, uh, it's so much praise to the the medical teams that were able to hopefully save his life and save him from potential brain damage it's it, it's amazing it's amazing what 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 had to be done and again all the players that that didn't want to come back on the field the coaches that didn't want to back come back coach more than understandable so uh like i i love talking about sports that was one of those things i did not want to talk about and we've now actually talked about it at length so it's 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 great that sometimes you have to talk about things when it's uncomfortable because maybe you gotta talk about it to get positivity out there that's another thing out there so guys we're gonna run uh, i'm gonna have clips of this all throughout the week also a clip from the uh mark goes to chicago like i said if you haven't checked that out check that out right now uh the <laughs> Yeah, the Buffalo one is going to be interesting. I got a buddy of mine that went to uh, UB, and hopefully we're going to have more of a day around there because I think we're going to get there at about 1130, uh, check into the hotel, and then uh, go walk around Buffalo for a little bit. There should be plenty of stuff to do. Uh, I am intending on doing some other Mark on the Roads. Uh, one of them that's going to be interesting, the NYPD versus the FDNY game. That's what we're planning on doing this year. I'm going to have to try to figure out some uh creative ways off on top of all the other things i gotta do with that um but also looking to find the, where the next place is going to be washington or columbus don't know gotta see those cannons so uh that would 
And Detroit's a good place to go, Boston. So we're working the East Coast. There's a chance we might even do um, uh, Canada or Ottawa. Could be the three of us. We'll let you know on that. Uh, just somebody just hit me with what the. Um, by the way, Dave said I went to Buffalo for a build game last year in November. It's a pretty cool place. Get a passport so you can go to Canada. I have a passport and I've been to Canada many times. So I can't wait for, for that. Frank, uh, yeah, let's go Team USA. What is the score right now, guys? Uh, I do not have it on. I will be turning that on in a short bit. So anyway, everybody, thank you very much for joining us today because we do this for you. Uh, sure, we'd like to explode and do this for a living too. So, But we're not there yet. Uh, we'll, we'll always be trying to make the best show for you every single week. So, everyone, thank you very much. And, you know, just uh, let's go Rangers. See what the Islanders are doing. And, uh, oh, it's 3-3. All right. Let's go Team USA. All right. Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you soon.